We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Look, when was the last time you went into a bank? Now more than ever, who you're doing business with is more important than where they're located. Emprise is a trusted company with mobile tools that take your banking beyond the borders of whatever city you live in. Really appreciative of Emprise Bank, all they have done here with KC Sports Network. It's been fun to support them. And it's not easy to, or it's not hard to support them because they're, they're they're just the best. They've been wonderful. And, and I've loved working with them. They're they're part of the KC Draft Guide uh, you know, stuff now too. So really appreciate them. Really appreciate my dear pals. Fresh, like, like here's, here's the thing. We've got the juxtapositions here. We got fresh off a haircut Maddie Lane. And we got emo Craig Stout here too because Craig's wearing the beanie again. But Maddie Lane, Maddie underscore KCSN on Twitter. You're looking good today, buddy. Thank, thank you. I, I'm gonna say thank you first, but I'm very confused how this man dressed in bright blue is is going emo <laughs> emo Craig on us. Like he is wearing wearing the loudest shirt among us, and you are saying that he's going Craig. How do you how do you care to respond to this? <laughs> I care to respond to it because it's very cold outside, and I really don't care. I just want to be warm while I sit here and converse and talk football with my pals. So I don't care what Kent thinks of me. Listen, I got I got to cover this up. Because especially when this man with his hair is on this podcast, and then Maddie's got a fresh like I I can't have people staring at my bald head all show long. So this is doing you a favor. I'm just curious. I'm curious what you're hiding under there, Craig. Because like you've been wearing the beanie a lot more recently. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> you know, you never know. Maddie's my probably head. got the Maddie's probably got the best hair of us going right now. I'm overgrown significantly. Like I haven't gotten a haircut since before we went to Vegas for the Shrine Bowl. So I uh I really need I need some help there. Um uh, before we get into um before we get into th- anything else, um really cool uh announcement. Really wanted to show you guys something, talk to you guys about something. So we did that AFC championship game ticket giveaway um you know la- you know la- earlier in the year and on friday we got to kind of do the first edition uh, of feed it forward uh thanks to your generous donations for those tickets so we were able to deliver 250 meals to hope faith homeless shelter here in kansas city uh a special thanks to manny's mexican restaurant uh for helping participate in that let's just take a look real quick 
What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? BJ Kissel, KC Sports Network. Just wanted to pass an update in that if you remember back before the AFC title game, we had asked for donations to help with our Feed It Forward program. We are starting that right now. On the first Friday of every month moving forward, we will be delivering 250 warm meals to the folks over at Hope Faith Ministries in Kansas City to help feed Kansas City's homeless population. We are starting right here at Manny's Mexican Restaurant in the Crossroads area. David and his staff are gracious enough to help us out. And so the money that you help donate, we're giving to local businesses and they're helping us feed Kansas City's homeless population as our third iteration here of Feed It Forward. It started with myself, my wife, and Trey McDonald sending Jack Stack Barbecue to different nurses in Kansas City. Last fall, there's Jeff and Marissa Allen and Cookie Society helping us send teachers cookies on Fridays for everything the teachers were going through and dealing with with their pandemic. And now it's about food insecurity issues and taking care of the people in our city that need food more than anyone else. So thank you so much for helping us help Kansas City and we'll continue to do it together with your support. So thank you to everybody that participated in in, uh, in the AFC championship ticket uh, fundraiser. And, and thank you to Manny's for, for their support as well. This has been really cool to see all the stuff that um, you know, we've been able to help be a part of at KC Sports Network in a short amount of time. And as long as we're around, we're going to continue to try to do really cool things for Kansas City to help support the community that we all love. Uh, and if you want to be part of what we're doing, uh, go to the KC Sports Network's uh, Venmo. You can donate there. Um, I think there's gonna be a link in the comment section here as well. So if you want to, if you want to get into to the stuff that we're doing to to support KC, uh, there's some opportunities for you to do it there as well. So all right, let's get into some stuff. Let's get into some uh, some cheese talk here today. There's there's some news. We're getting more tangible news as as things go along, and we got to start with this today. The Chiefs put the non-exclusive franchise tag t- on uh, Orlando Brown. The left tackle, the big acquisition uh, last offseason, Chiefs making an aggressive move to go trade for him. The bill is starting to come due this year, and the Chiefs placed the franchise tag on him, Maddie. Uh, what, what? Just initial thoughts, surprise. You, you know, what, what, what are your initial thoughts here? I think this is always going to happen. It's really difficult to get a contract sorted out quickly before the franchise tag like cutoff comes around when you're dealing with a guy that's going to make near maximum money at his position. So the fact that this isn't done now, I don't think that means it's not going to happen before the season starts. It's just, you got to put this out there now. So there's no chance he gets away. I think just like kind of some of the other news we're going to talk about, this is one of those moves that everybody probably should have seen coming this entire off season. Orlando Brown was never going to go anywhere. And I mean, Brett Veach straight up told us that when he did his first press conference after the season. Yeah. It just makes sense. I mean, it, we've seen Brett Veach, do this with other players as well. This isn't the first time. So it, it just makes sense. It is a very condensed timeline. Deadlines do make deals, but something like this, both sides don't want to rush into it. I think it's very noteworthy that it was kind of put out there just before we started that Orlando Brown doesn't have an agent right now. He's still trying to decide whether he wants to hire an agent or whether he wants to do this deal, broker this deal himself. So that should tell you kind of where they are in the negotiations. The Chiefs <laughs> obviously are very well aware of this. They knew that this timeline was what it was. That's why Brett Beach came out and said, yeah, we're going to end up franchise tagging him. It, they're, they're not ready to sit down at the table and hammer out numbers yet. But I, I'm not worried about Orlando Brown Jr. playing on the tag. I think that the contract will get done this offseason. Chiefs are going to see that cap relief come at some point there. 
it does kind of raise the question, you know, do they want to get it done earlier so they can play around in free agency a little bit more? But I think it's more important that you get the guy at the right number and get that guy for the next four or five years at a comfortable number for both sides than it is to try and rush to get something done and miss something or, you know, overpay or something like that. I will be very surprised if by the end of all this, the Chiefs aren't able to make moves because Orlando Brown is on the tack. I honestly think, like, I think that we, there's some moves that they can obviously make here very quickly, very soon. The Tyreek Hill extension, um, Frank Clark, his contract situation, restructuring Mahomes. There's three things off the top that they can do to add more cap space for 2022. A lot of cap space. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's and, like $40 uh, million dollars right there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, so there's, there's some things that they can definitely do here to kind of help um navigate that so i think if, if this move was going to inhibit them they might be a little bit more uh i don't know if they'd be more aggressive with orlando brown because obviously the situation does um you know it, it does put the chiefs in a little bit of bind actually i'll read the tweets real quick from mike garofalo just about the orlando brown situation uh craig just talked about it uh i, I spoke to uh, jamal brown the former nfl offensive tackle and mentor to orlando brown jr jamal told me orlando is deciding whether to represent himself or hire an agent he won't sign the franchise tag until that gets sorted out. Also, has a charity event in late March, so his focus is on that too. That means probably not doing anything in March. Jamal on Orlando, tagged by the Chiefs today. He wants to be in Kansas City, and he wants to sign a long-term deal there. He wants Kansas City to understand he's the type of player who can be there for the rest of his career. He's a cornerstone left tackle. That's the statements from Orlando Brown. That's really the update you're going to get, and it sounds like we're really not going to know much of anything uh, at least through uh, the month of March, which is, I mean, I think that's telling. He's, you know, the, the Orlando Brown deal is probably not factoring any way, shape, or form in the Chiefs' ability, um, you, know, you know, to create more cap space there. So um, I, I have a question for both of you guys because I was looking at this. So right now, Orlando Brown Jr., his annual per year hit the franchise tax $16.66 million. That is the 12th biggest tackle contract uh, in football from an APY perspective. That's left tackles and right tackles. Uh, there's actually five left tackles in the in the top uh, in the top 12 there. Um, the top of the market sitting right now, Trent Williams, $23 million. Uh, same with David Bakhtiari, Larry, Larry Tunsil, $22 million. So I guess my question to you guys is what is the APY contract? of the Orlando Brown deal that he eventually signs. Maddie, I want to know your number first. $6.90 more than Ronnie Stanley. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. No, that's that's not that's not a bad one. So like in the $21 million range? Yeah. 21 yeah, so and a half. So I, would have a, I would be hard-pressed to buy the logic on how he's worth more than Laramie Tunsil is as an offensive tackle. I think Tunsil's a better player. This is also where I get stuck on contract stuff because I focus on how like the impact of the player and not the politics that go into contracts, cap rising, inflation, all that stuff. So just from that standpoint, I have a hard time paying him more than Tunzel, but you want to snug him up right there behind him. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And just, you know, make him feel good. Pay him more than the guy that he was playing, not playing left tackle in front of in Baltimore and Ronnie Stanley. I, I mean, I, I think he's going to be right in there underneath Trent Williams. I don't think that he's going to get Trent Williams money. I say that he's significantly younger than Trent Williams. Trent Williams is also the best left tackle in football. Mm -hmm. He just got paid last year. So that's not like a, a contract that's been around for very long. 
Orlando Brown Jr. is probably catching another sizable contract. He has played left tackle now for essentially two years, you know, only part of the year last year at Baltimore, and he's steadily grown better and better. He's absolutely worth top contract for offensive tackle. I think you make him happy. You snug him up right under, you know, Trent Williams, right around that that point right there. And you say, listen, you're our guy going forward. We'll revisit this in another three years when maybe your guarantees run out. And maybe we re-up you for a little bit more and make you the highest paid tackle in the league. Then when you're, you know, 27, 28, I think that makes a lot of sense. You just keep him on your roster for another five, five years until you start to see him falling off. Yeah, I mean, I think the Chiefs are very obviously bought into Orlando Brown. They just they wanted some time. Uh, our buddy Chief Bearcat, we talked to him a lot. He is guessing July is the is the is the deadline for the deal to get done. And honestly, if the Chiefs don't need the cap space, it makes all the sense in the world. Frankly, I mean, like they, you know, like that's been a that's been a big you know big marker for them uh throughout their you know big contract. Well, you, you got something, Maddie? You have well, something else there? You got you guys do a lot more of this number stuff than I. Let's say the Chiefs are waiting until July to get Orlando Brown's deal done. And Frank Clark, if you are cutting him, you have to designate him post, you know, then you got to cut him later in the year. Does that not hamper what you can do in free agency? Well, like they can designate. Go ahead. They can designate Frank Clark post June 1 before, I believe, right? But you can't use the money, I don't believe. That's where it gets tricky. So that this might be an indicator that they're not, they aren't post June 1 him. Like they might just be biting the bullet. You kind of sure. have to. Sure. There's also Tyreek Hill's extension, which, I mean, is all but done. We have Paul DeSantis asked what happens first, Tyreek New Deal or Clark gets cut, restructured. I mean, I, listen, it's Tyreek's deal. There's too much smoke out there about the contract right. structure of Tyreek Hill, so that's going <laughs> to happen. I mean, but as it stands right now, because I know this is kind of one of the things that people are looking at as well with Orlando Brown Jr., his number does not count against the cap until he signs that franchise tag. Now, that being said, he can do it at any point. He's obviously not going to do it until he gets an agent. So that's kind of kicked down the road. And also the Chiefs don't have to be under the cap until basically the evening of March 16th, which is the new league year. So right now they can fly. They can have as many contracts as they want against there. I mean, the Saints are way over the cap right now. You just got to be cut down before then. And once again, it doesn't count against a cap until he signs that tag. But it's floating out there. They're obviously going to keep that money free just in case, you know, he can show up and really put him in a bind there and really complicate negotiations. But don't think he would. But it is something to kind of keep an eye on because, yeah, I think this does kind of lend towards maybe not cutting Frank Clark post June 1st and extending Tyree Kill, knowing that you're going to want all of that money with Orlando Brown Jr. on the franchise tag and maybe a later contract signing. I would guess... Do you guys think that's the way it's trending is that they're going to just have 13 and a half dead cap from Frank Clark? So going, whew, okay. I I mean, I... It frees up another $13 million. It gives you $13 million now versus $19 million on June 1st. You basically earn $6 million if you post June 1st in there, but you don't get to use that money until June 1st. So, can, I mean, you, you it's the difference the, between playing in free agency or having an extra $6 million later. 20, going into a year with $20 million in dead cap on the roster is a lot. It is. Yeah. 
That's but, not a, that's not a low amount. That's one number that I am slightly familiar with. That's a lot of dead cap for a one team trying to compete for a Super Bowl. It's not great, but the you're paying for the you're paying your the, the the bills come and due for this football team in a lot of ways. That's why I think this offseason is so interesting. Is you know, and actually it's actually kind of a perfect transition. The bills coming due on some guys. The bills coming due on uh, on some positions that maybe you haven't put a lot of investment in and like this is Charvarius Ward this is transitioned into a Charvarius Ward conversation now because we've talked about this a few times we know the Chiefs have not spent next to anything at the cornerback position in Brett Veach's tenure uh Brett Veach says that they value the cornerback position this is a perfect year to show maybe further investment further advancement there um Charvarius Ward is expected uh, per an ESPN article, the numbers that he will be getting uh, in the market uh, are pretty substantial in a very weak cornerback market. It's not a good year to need a veteran cornerback. Uh, Charvarius Ward is, best, is expected to be near the top of that list. It's not going to necessarily be JC Jackson, but I believe on ESPN that the conversation was, don't be surprised if it's closer to, to the JC Jackson Carlton Davis numbers than you think. It's pretty surprising if you ask me. I think he had a very good year. But I mean, Char- Charvarius Ward's bar- he we we might be approaching significant compens. We might be approaching third round compensatory pick, Maddie. Oh man! <laughs> well, we we've been talking about this all off season though. Is this free agent class for the cornerback position isn't very good? I mean, it's just simply not that good. And J.C. Jackson and his agent have made it quite clear that they want Jalen Ramsey type money. They're going to ask to be the top. He's going to ask to be the top paid cornerback in the NFL. And I can guarantee you, when he gets that offer he's going right back to the Patriots to ask them to match it. And then they'll make their final decision then. Cause that's just what they do. So it's, he's barely available to some teams. Carlton Davis is the only other corner, only other cornerback out there that you were going to say, yes, I need that guy. I want that guy. He's better than Charvarius Ward. Charvarius Ward's right there in the mix for the third corner, the third corner any year and an open market is going to get paid. Charvarius Ward is coming off of one of his better years. He did a really good job in the playoffs, kind of turning around what was a rougher stretch to finish the regular season. It's like he's kind of going out on a high note, best year of his career, played good down the stretch. Yeah, he's absolutely going to get paid. The issue is, and I think there's some Chiefs fans that want to keep him around. I just think you watch the, you know, the body of the work, even just this past year, the whole season, when you start creeping up to $12, $13 million, that's a, that's a hard out for me, and it sounds like he might be getting well north of that number at this point in time. Yeah, that's one of those that you look at and you say the way that your defense has to play with him, allowing him to play as physical as he does underneath, you keep that safety over the top, you're kind of forced into a little bit more of a scheme. You don't leave him one-on-one all the time. And it, it's tough to pay a guy that you have to give help to 14 15 million dollars a year which is kind of what that espn article is alluding to what the rumors coming out of the combine that he's going to catch a lot of money here so you look at that from a chief's perspective and you say listen charvarius ward was let's let's call it phenomenal this year in the charvarius ward body of work he was absolutely phenomenal very clearly the best year of his career. They trusted him. He followed some number one receivers around. He has absolutely earned the looks in free agency that he's going to get. But this is the price you pay when you get to play in free agency. This is the types of bills that you rack up when you try and solve all your problems 
with these bigger names in free agency. Yeah, J.C. Jackson wants the Jalen Ramsey deal. Carlton Davis is going to be close to that as well. If Charvarius Ward is going to be right behind that, guess what? He's going to be in that $14, $15 million range. And those are the types of cornerbacks, when you look down the list, that are currently guys that are, you know, kind of, you know, a little bit lower than that, that you look at and think, boy, that's a guy I can trust on an island. That's a guy that I can trust to cover everybody. And man, I don't have to offer him safety help. So it's a decision that these teams have to make. It's not necessarily a bad one because three years from now, it'll look cheap by comparison as all these contracts do, but it's just the initial investment right now. And that's probably why the Chiefs are saying, hey man, go get your money. You know, you were well worth, thanks for your time. Enjoy that ring. Go get your money now. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what what Charvarius Ward's number comes in at. I mean, we could look at it again the same week. We kind of just looked at uh, you know at at, at uh, the tackle position. I mean, do we think James James Bad Bradbury's APY right now fourteen point five million dollars that puts him uh, eighth, I believe, at the cornerback position. Do we think over under fourteen and a half million for Charvarius Ward in this market, Maddie? Over under over. Uh, caps going back up. Everything's trending the right way. TV deals coming in. He's younger than Bradbury is right now. He's still a relatively young corner. Like I, I'll take the over on that, even though I don't think every team would be willing to pay that. There will be a team or two that is willing yeah. to pay that. So easy yeah. over bet. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say over as well now the final two years of that deal he may never see. And those may be the big, big years of it, but the APY will be over that. And the teams that are reportedly interested are the Los Angeles Chargers and the San Francisco 49ers. So interesting. Both those teams have some money to spend. Uh, They might aggressively go out and try and get Charveris Ward. Okay, I'm going to do this because this is very interesting to me. I'm sorry. The top... All right, so we are sitting top five current market. Darius Slay, his APY, $16.68 million. $16.68. Maddie over under Charvarius Ward API 16.68. Uh, I'm going to go under. He doesn't make enough plays on the ball. He doesn't take the ball away. Darius Slade does do that. I know there's an age gap to go in there, but like I think you're going to start looking at advanced metrics that teams use for this kind of stuff. Not enough ball production to justify putting him over Slade despite the best, the better age factor. I also think under, and I think it's got to do with the number of years. Darius Slay had a number of years that he was a really great corner, you know, a, a true number one. This is the first year that you look at Charvarius Ward and you say, hey, listen, that guy can ball. I'm ready to have that guy as my number one corner. This is year one. Now you're going to sh- switch schemes. I think you're going to see teams that don't quite come to the same table with the kind of money, Darius Slay money. Okay, so we're looking somewhere between 14 and a half and 16 and a half million dollars is yeah. really where it's all going to like it's kind of where you guys come kind of have settled. I think that's about right. I I I'm I, I'm I'm not in it that number. I'll be honest. I mean, I, and I'd be I, more surprised if it was under 14 than if it was over 16.8 or whatever slaves make. I don't think it will be, but I would be more surprised if it came in under, especially looking at those teams mentioned. They 100% can play with a limited schematic corner and Charvarius Ward, so they aren't worried about some of the same inconsistencies like a lot of other teams might be. Yeah, and he'll be good there. He'll be good there. Yeah, he'll be no, just like, fine. They'll be yeah. happy. Mm-hmm. The, the Niners specifically, you mentioned oh, the Niners. I was like, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, that's a, I think that's <laughs> a does. good move for him. Like I think that's that's one where he would, he'd would he have a lot of success. So 
I mean, that move makes all the sense in the world. Uh, Plus, they got some dogs up front, man. He gets to press, and that ball's got to come out quick. And 40 miners make a lot of sense for Charvarius Ward. Hey, good on Charvarius Ward if that's the kind of, you know, if that's the kind of deal he's able to get. Quick, quick question. Do you, do you think the Chiefs won that trade? Parker Ehringer <laughs> for Charvarius? Do you man, think they I'm won not that try, one? I'm not trying to drag, that? I'm not trying to drag Parker Ehringer, uh, but I don't know if he's even in the league anymore. So uh shout out to him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, okay, so let's see here. I, 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 there's, one more, there's one more player we kind of need to talk about at some point here, too. Um, you saw the report from uh, Ian Rappaport, I believe, by now. Um, Tyron Matthew expected to test the market in free agency. I don't know if there's anything too surprising um, at this point. Um, just kind of the way the way the language has been from the chief side. Honestly, the way the language has been on on the player side as well. You know, uh, kind of look into some of his you know thoughts on on social media and all that stuff. So the thing that interested me is the report uh, that that part of that report. I think there's a video out of it now. Um, but basically, uh, rap sheet, Ian Rappaport says that, you know, he's probably going to break double digits on salary. That, that statement blew me away when, when we heard it, I was just amazed that like, there's at least a question that he's not going to break double digits. And that is just shocking to me because like we were having conversations at, at some point about you know, he's going to be in the top five in the safety market. He's going to be getting, he's going to, you know, he's going to have a case to, you know, you know, get these, you know, upper eight, you know, teens, he'll, he'll be in the teens. I thought there was no chance he wasn't in the teens, but now we're hearing this soft language about him even breaking, you know, 10 million APY. That's very surprising. Maddie, are, are, are you as surprised as I am? Like how, what are your, what are your feelings here on this? 
I, like I told you, I think you're reading a little too much into the language because I've gone back and looked now. There's about five safeties who are, have signed a contract in the last two years at the same age as Tyron Matthew that are over $10 million. And I would argue he's better than all of them right now than they were when they signed those contracts. Uh, the safety market is hard to predict, though. I will say that the safety market in agents... NFL media people, national media people, fans, like everybody's always off on those because it is really, really hard to predict. But there's a lot of guys that are 30, 31 years old that have signed contracts as recently as 2020 for over $10 million. I would be stunned if he gets a contract less than $10 million this year. I mean, oh man, that's tough. Uh, Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports NFL podcast, mentioned that the overall vibe that he was getting there at the Combine was that Tyron Matthew would be returning to Kansas City. Now, this was also in the vein of a conversation about the safety market and how cover safeties were just going to get paid this offseason, that there were so many guys that were just going to get paid. And then he brought up Tyron Matthew, and he kind of hedged a little bit. He's like, well, you know, the general feeling is that he's probably going to end up in Kansas City. And, you know, I don't know if there's what's going on with the market. And like, so he doesn't even have a good bead on what's happening with Tyron Matthew right now. But I think that's kind of where we sit at the moment. Tyron Matthew is obviously testing free agency, which he should at this point. They did not get a contract done before he was you know, set to become a free agent this year. It makes all the sense in the world for him to go out and actually try and see what's out there, try and see if another team can come up and maybe even if he wants to stay in Kansas City, raise that price up a little bit. But I, I am very curious to see what happens with Tyron Matthew, where this all goes now, because as it stands, the Chiefs cut Anthony Hitchens, moving on from Frank Clark, maybe moving on from Tyron Matthew. These are all things that guys that are kind of the face of the defense and the face of the franchise on that side of the ball. You're moving on from all those guys. You got to fill that void with somebody. You know, Chris Jones is there. They've got some young guys, young linebackers that make sense. But it does make me wonder if they're moving on from Matthew so that they can maybe play in the J.C. Jackson market or the Carlton Davis market, you know, maybe reinvest in some other positions rather than trying to pay Tyron Matthew in the teens, wherever he ends up being. Being said, if it's under 10, it is really hard for me not to see him back in Kansas City because they, he, he is so much more valuable to Steve Spagnuolo than he is to any other defensive coordinator in the league. That and see, like, look, man, I, I, when I look at it, I don't think if, if, if he's, if it's even a thought that he might not clear double digits, that's what's surprising to me. I, it's an afterthought to me. It's always been an afterthought to me. So that's what makes me question. Even bringing that up makes me question how strong the market really is. Because if that's a reportable thing where he's talking about, he's probably going to clear double digits. Like, you you don't say that like JC Jackson's probably gonna eclipse double digits. I mean, like it's this is different. This is different language. Didn't you we know, just like, get the same language about Michael Gallup today? I don't know. Did we? Yeah. Yeah. It's probably gonna be a ten million dollars or more. And I think that's a lot lower than a lot of people would have anticipated before. Coming off of an today. injury, though. He's coming, coming off, off an injury. injury. Tyron yeah. Matthews not coming off an injury. So I, I so I'm just saying that's a that's a common theme now for language. That's now two players that have got the same exact spiel and you know essentially back to back days. It's just I don't know if people are as locked in on the market yet as we want them as we want to believe. I just don't know why you say that. 
if you don't have some kind of instinct that it's close. Like, that's why even say that. I mean, Michael Gallup makes sense, too, because of the injury. But Tyron Matthew, it's like, oh, he's probably like we're we're expecting him to, like, easily surpass it. <coughs> Sorry. And this is the phrasing we get. And Craig, I'm 100% with, with you. If it's in the $10 million range, I don't think there's a chance it's not the Chiefs. If it's 12, dunk. $12 million. All right. I, I, let's just say this. $12 million. Is he back with the Chiefs? Oh, yes. I'll say yes. I think it goes out and tests the market and the Chiefs decide to invest that $12 million, maybe on a one-year deal. I don't see a long-term deal. That's the part of this. I don't see a long-term deal. $12 million on a one-year deal is hard. That's a hard one. That is hard to do. So uh, now I'm walking it back. I don't think so. And I think it's because of the one-year deal. I don't think so because I think that he would feel like he's owed more than $12 million from the team that he just helped win a Super Bowl for. So I think he'd rather go pay at this point in his career. I would not be surprised if he would take less money to go somewhere else if that's all the Chiefs are offering and he feels like he's worth more. And I, I, I can't say I'd blame him for that, but I just that's the kind of vibe and attitude I get from him. He's going to always bet on himself. He believes in himself more than anybody else. He's going to play with, with a chip on his shoulder. So if he thinks he's worth, 16 million dollars a year and this team that he's been giving it all for for the past three seasons he helps get them to the super bowl back to the super bowl afc championship game he essentially is the key cog that turns this team around on the defensive side of the ball and they come back and they're like hey here's 12 million dollars for a one-year deal take it or leave it like i can easily see him leaving it and playing for less it's a fair point it's a fair thought uh, we have uh, I, I, we want to play one more game uh, one more conversation i we're, we're gonna hold a we're gonna hold a funeral today uh, we're going to hold a funeral for the Chiefs fans' hopes and dreams of some draft prospects falling to them at 30. And here's the thing. I, it's not that the NFL Combine is the end-all, be-all. It's the defining thing. But you get a lot of things confirmed about players. You get a lot of things uh, enhanced about a player's profile. You know, there's some things that really kind of cement themselves, be it the commentary surrounding them, um, be it... Um, just the athletic testings being, you know, exceeding expectations because there's just certain points where, you know, it, it doesn't seem very likely that these guys are going to be available, um, you know, where you kind of hoping maybe you could get them, uh, you know, at pick 30. So let's hold a funeral for some players. Uh, Maddie, I want to get, I'll almost give the floor to you. Who's the first player that we need to hold a funeral for the Chiefs chances of picking them at 30? Uh, this, this is going to hurt everybody. And I, I assume this is probably like everyone's number one guy, uh, George Pickens, wide receiver out of Georgia. Uh, it was always going to be a long shot. As long as he came into the combine and was healthy, I don't think there was ever really much of a chance that he was going to fall that far. But seeing him go out there, seeing him run the 40, do a little bit better than I think a lot of people anticipated him doing, going out there running some drills. Like I just think he looked healthier than he ever did during this past season. You pair that with his size, with his freshman tape. Like he's a guy that's just absolutely going to be a star in the NFL. He's running at six foot three. He's running a four four seven official 40 yard dash. He's going in the top 20, 25 of this draft. I don't even think it's questionable at this point in time. Yeah, my guy is coming from the same position and a guy that had kind of flirted around with the end of the draft. The valuation was in the first round always with him, but it kind of floated in in the middle there. It's Chris Olave. I mean, mm. we knew that he was going to run fast. I'm a little surprised that his teammate ran a little faster than him, but it's still flying. He still ran a 
4-3-40. This guy showed that he's every bit worth a top 15 pick. He's a guy that I think maybe people are going to look at and say, oh, he underperformed based on, you know, the rest of the wide receiver class. This was a freaky testing wide receiver class. Chris Olave is still legit. He can run routes. He's crazy fast. He's just got all of the tools in the world. And he showed that in all the drills. He showed that in all the testing. There's not a worry about Chris Olave at all. You basically slot him in and have a number one style receiver in Kansas City. It would be a number two receiver. He's going to be gone before 30. Like absolutely and totally gone before 30. Just like you will be gone if you spend all of your time at McAdoodles because you're not going to be able to help yourself. The, the selection is so great and the prices are so great that you're going to come home with way more than you bargained for. You're just going to come home with boxes and boxes of booze and you're just not going to be able to help yourself because it's going to be terrific. They're going to nail your recommendations because they have the best customer service. Your wallet is still going to be fat because you got great prices and oh yeah, you were able to find everything that you possibly could need so if this sounds good to you because you're a franchisee about all that money flowing out the door you need to get a hold of roger info at macadoodles.com it doesn't matter that there's one coming to kansas city in summer of this year we need more in kansas city we need more in wherever you are get a hold of roger get a macadoodles to your spot and get your clientele gone let's have a quick conversation about wide receivers how Ooh. how many how many go before pick 30? Like mm. if I'm putting Pickens out there, you're putting Olave out there, there's two. Do we think that Traylon Burks had a rel- disappointing combine to the height, but there's no chance he's falling, right? And there's no chance he's there at 30. <sighs> I think there's a chance he's there at 30. I think there's a chance too. Really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I do. I would say he's the least likely out of all the guys we mentioned to be there at 30. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think okay. Drake London's gone. So Drake, Drake okay. London's so we'll gone. do Drake London. There's a there's three. Garrett Wilson just ran faster than Olave. He's I got. Think Garrett Will- yeah, I think he's a, a round one lock now. Yeah. Okay, that's four. Jamison Williams is the injury really going to push him out? I no. think he's there at thirty. If that helps. So there's really? five. Mm. There's five there. We have Traylon Burks, who is like a clone. If you got like the exact middle ground of AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, like just body but, type, like but not elite. I, either I don't know. I, I have I'm not a, I'm really not a big Traylon Burks guy. Just, we're we're just looking at like five or six guys that were at receiver that we're locking into the first round. It's just a lot yeah. of guys to lock into the first round when you have such a good edge group and now you have these defensive tackles climbing out of the woodwork and a good offensive <laughs> tackle group. So it's just it's just it was just interesting to see Olave was the one that came up because I think he's still the one I kind of have around the end of the first round just because of how good all these bigger guys ended up testing. Okay, so yeah, I have, he's he's still a freak, though. I mean, that's the thing. He's he is. Still, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I look. Oh, I, I would think, take Olave before I took Burks. I would take Olave before I took Burks as well, pretty easily. I would. Really, I yes, will be NFL now. I for the yeah. Chiefs. I, the other, you know, for the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Burks for the Chiefs. Period. Like, I. I don't. I think you've got to manufacture too many of his touches early or you got to throw a lot of rail shots outside. And like, I don't think that he's just going to jump in and feast in those two areas right off, off the bat. I just don't. I, so here's, 
I've got like a few that are very fringe funerals. And so like some are easier than others, but do we, can we throw a funeral? I'm going to ask these across the board. <laughs> I think this one's going to be pretty easy. Cause I think, I don't know how big of a chance, at least in our perception, I think the, I think people are catching up to David Ojabo, the edge out of Michigan. I don't like, I think we can throw that funeral. It's a pretty quick funeral because we've all mourned it for a while. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think. I mean, we we currently have David Ojabo sitting top. We he's sitting eleventh in the KCSN draft guide right now. Oh, I so my yes was more of like I would be throwing a funeral for him if we were picking fifteen. Like <laughs> I don't think he's getting out of the top fifteen. Like I, I think I, this funeral's I think, done, long gone. I think some people no, but I I mean I think we've seen some people that have not been there with Ojabo. I think they're finally catching up. Here's the two that I think are more interesting. Can we throw a funeral for Lewis Seen, the safety out of Georgia? No. Nah. Okay. I don't. I don't think he's guaranteed even safety two at this point in time. I. I don't even know if he's guaranteed safety three. I think some people are going to have Petrie, some people are going to have Brisker, Dax, Hinton Hill. Like you're going to have a lot of different safety two through fives uh, the rest of the time. So I would not feel comfortable saying funeral for him. Now you can throw a funeral for getting him at the end of round two. I think yes. before the combine, you, you got to take the one. Yeah, at the at the combine, you feel like you would get you could get him at the end of round two. Now though, now you're hoping Petrie falls because he was afraid to run, or Brisker didn't test as freakishly as you want to. Like the safeties that might fall have now switched. Yeah, Craig, I totally agree. Yeah, See, like that athletic profile, what he was able to put on, you know, put on on Silly. a show there in Indy was ridiculous. And mm -hmm. we did a we did a, a film breakdown of him on the KCSN Substack just this week. It was perfect timing leading up to the to the draft. Um I I honestly, I mean, there's not much you don't like about him. I think I can't remember if it was you that said it, Maddie, but it's like probably one of the biggest issues with Lewis Cena is that everything out around him is so good he didn't get an opportunity to make a ton of plays. Yeah, your first negative you're going to write down is where are all the plays and then you realize, "Oh wait, there's that Freak of nature, Jordan Davis. Oh, I mean, Devonta, I mean, Nicobe, I mean, Trevon Walk just keep on going and going that are making plays just because they aligned on the same defense at the same time. And the Georgia underclassman, whatever his name is. Yeah, Jalen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I think I, I think it's closer than we think for a few. Like, I, if you give, I'm going to give you the over-under on Lewis Seen's draft position. Over-under set at 30. I'm taking, uh, un, I'm taking under. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's off the board before 30. I think it's close. I'm pushing so because think he's going 30. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who are the Chiefs trading? Who are the Chiefs trading their first round pick for? So will, who's picking at 30? We'll come out there and shave off half your beard. <laughs> Minka Fitzpatrick. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> no, over under. Craig? Uh, I'm going to say over. Okay. I think it's I think it's very early round two though. I think it's, I think very, it's tight, very very early round two. I think it's tight. I think he's one of those guys that we look we look at the end of uh, at the end of the process where you know mid April and it's like Lewisine is he gonna go top twenty? According to Lance Zerline, he interviewed exceptionally well. Like he was called by multiple teams, said that he interviewed exceptionally. I mean, it's always just word of mouth of these things, but he got the the extra coach on the field kind of moniker and stuff like that just from a couple different interview rooms to land. So I mean, well if you when we watched the tape, it was like like the adjustments he was making on the fly, they probably weren't by the rules, but he was literally like passing off 
a route like five seconds into the play because he just understood what they were doing. And he's like telling the guy to fall off. It was on Traylon <laughs> Burks. Mm-hmm. And they didn't I think the guy that he passed and pushed him like down to the to the corner route, he took the play away. Like this dude is like he's smart. He just showed a ridiculous athletic profile. <laughs> and he mean, comes out of a Kirby smart defense. So it, it, he he comes out of a very versatile, very strong defense that the NFL is starting to adopt more and more. It just, just makes saying. sense. I'm telling you, I'm I, I think I'm taking the under, man. I think I think he separated himself from Daxton. I think he separated himself from Jalen Petrie and those guys. I think he's clear cut safety too now. All right, Craig, I got do you have one, another one? Oh, I got I got one more guy I want to ask you about cool. if we can throw a funeral for. This is gonna be interesting because I think there's a lot of factors here. We'll, we'll talk about it. Can we throw a funeral for Boye Mafe, the edge out of Minnesota, just had a bonkers combine? There's a lot of there's a lot of questions I have. But I I want to just get your initial thoughts. Can we throw a funeral for Boye Mafe at pick thirty? No, because we're running into the same issue we did with wide receiver, and that there's just so many yeah. of them that have to come off the board. Um, I still we may not disagree. We don't need to go ten minutes on him like we did Burks, but like I still think the NFL will like George Karloftis more than I think we do collectively. <laughs> so he's gonna come off Ojabo Hutchinson Thibodeau. Jermaine Johnson, Trevon Walker, like that's a lot of now. You, then you get into the defensive tackles. Logan Hall is also in the mix. Like you have a lot of guys that are going to come off the board. So would I be shocked if he's gone? No, but I don't think that you could say there's no hope. I would say again, you're looking at a guy that's right around that range between pick thirty and forty would be my guess. I mean, we we threw the funeral the moment that he had thirty two and five eighths inch arms for Steve Spagnolo. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. Nope, that- I'm using the Senior Bowl measurements. I <laughs> listen. If we're using the Senior Bowl measurements, uh, the uh, Washington and Auburn corners love you right now. Um, no, it's. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's just he's a little too short. I don't think he plays a run well enough. I think. I think that if Spagnolo is having any input on that pick, it's probably not Mafe. Now that being said, me, yes, I absolutely would love him. And I, I hope he's there at 30, and I hope they take him, even if he's just a pass rush specialist. It's just not what this team did. So I think that that funeral, at least in my mind, that funeral happened weeks and weeks and weeks ago. I think the conversation about, you know, Boye Mafe is like, I think you're right. There's a lot of edges that have to go off the board for him to ascend to that role. But also, like, I mean, what he was able to do in Mobile. Or not mobile in uh, at the well mobile and I mean, and yeah, indie. Awesome I mean, he's really helped himself throughout the process. I think it's the same thing that we kind of talked about with seeing the hopes of getting him at sixty four over. And I'm not sure that they were ever or sixty two. Oh, yeah. I don't think they ever really, really. I, they were more real for seeing than they ever were for Mafe. Like, but now I think both of those guys are very much in that pocket where the Chiefs could wind up taking one of them. I think those are two guys that you know. I could very easily see. Um, so I got one more in the same mold because I would my last round. I wanted to bury somebody that the Chiefs might get in round two up until the combine, and now that's not happening. So you'd have to take him at thirty. Defensive tackle out of UConn, Travis Jones. Mm-hmm. I listen. Thirty might even be a stretch. I, I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Thirty yeah. might even be a stretch. Just like these other guys we're talking about. You tell me he goes off the board at 22, 25. Not shocked at all. But zero chance he's getting out of the top. 50, zero chance he's out of the top forty. Uh, he. If Jordan Davis didn't exist, I would be really interested <laughs> to see where Travis Jones went. Like, I 
would he be getting the top 15 hype? He's not quite as big. Like that's the one thing holding back. He's massive. He's he only was, 322 pounds. Right. It's, I mean, it's sick. If he was 10 to 15 pounds heavier, his athletic profile does not go outside of the top 12 ever. Mm, you can ever. find guys that are super, that are his level of athleticism ish and 320 pounds that have not gone in the top 15. But once you cross over 330, 335, no, if you're that athletic, you go top 10, top 12 in the draft. So it's just, it would be really interesting to see where he would go without Jordan Davis. But yeah, if you want him, you're taking him at 30 and he might not even be there. I mean, and that being said, like those guys that go top 10, top 12 in the draft that are that size with that athleticism, guess what? They're all good. Like you don't <laughs> miss with those guys either. So it's not like you're like, well, we're really gambling on a traitsy guy. I mean, <laughs> no, they're all awesome. So, I mean, you, you, gamble on those rare traits at that rare size travis jones hasn't had an awesome senior bowl as well he looked really good at the senior bowl blows out the combine just nobody hears him because jordan davis's combine thanos snapped him away (laughs) immediately but i mean he is a freak of nature as well and a guy that yeah i I was kind of looking at i was like Man, maybe in round two uh, I can get on with some, you know, with some with some action there. But nah, it's 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 over. You got to take him thirty or not at all. Jordan Davis made Duntari Poe look slow for that size. Like he blew Duntari Poe's numbers out of the water. He jumped <laughs> further than Garrett Wilson did. <laughs> Listen. Travis Jones ran the hoop drill better. It's like, I'm, you yeah. know, I'm going to stand on that. Hey. Now, Jordan Davis did it great, too. Don't get me wrong. Jordan Davis did an exceptional job, but Travis Jones' hoop drill looked like Boy Mafe out there. Like, it was that, it was really that impressive. It's just Tra- two, yeah. two freaks. Travis Jones is like, like Craig said, like we just got started talking about Boy Mafe. Ch- Travis Jones has checked every box he possibly can in the last couple of months. It's outrageous. So, I mean, it, gosh, this draft is going to be fun. Like, we just mm-hmm. talked about a bunch of guys that are probably going to go in that 30 to 40 range or 25 to 40 range. It's going to be interesting to see what the Chiefs do with that approach. Do they trade back? They're not going to trade back. But they could accumulate more assets if they wanted to. Um, all right, really quick off the top, just quick hitter. Christian Watson funeral at pick 62. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Okay. Two, two, the, the athletic profile is just too rare. All right. Now, here's the question. Would you take Christian Watson at pick 30? No. Go. I wouldn't either. Would you I, trade? Ba- All right. No, I'm, I'm just quick. Rapid fire. Would you go, Would go. you take? Would you trade back and take Christian Watson at pick 40? No. Is Travis Jones still on the board? <laughs> <laughs> I would. Yeah. It, it, I would take any of the guys we've talked about uh, over him. I, yeah, I, I would too. I love well, Christian fair. Watson. I think he's a lot of fun. I am hesitant to uh, headline my draft class with him because there is so much rawness. There's so much still to teach. Headlining your draft class when you're the Chiefs knocking on the door of winning another Super Bowl just seems a little lofty. Now, right, see, that, here's oh. the funny part. Year two, Christian Watson. I love him. Give give me year two, Christian Watson. It's just hard to bite that bullet with the kind of guys that we talked about just now. These are the scenarios that we are throwing around all the time between each other. That is going to do it for the Casey Laboratory. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you. Uh, and uh, we'll catch you later. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.